Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The sermon text is the gospel reading from Mark chapter 1. May be seated. In the name of Jesus, Jesus begins his ministry proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. Turn around and believe in the victory. Now, we shouldn't be too surprised that the first words out of the mouth of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark is a sermon, the one who is the Word made flesh, preaching the Word, Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. Now, after John was arrested, delivered up, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the Gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. Just 14 verses into the Gospel of Mark, and the revolution has begun. Behold the king. Yes, the king is here. The very king who comes to take back, which belongs to him rightfully, to push back the enemy successfully, to get back you and me and all who are held hostage in sin's tyranny, this is the movement to top all movements. All of human history has been moving toward this movement that nothing, no one can stop, stomp, or stymie. Oh, the kings of this world, they try. <laughs> King Herod did, right? He gave it the old college try. Locked up uh, John the Baptist, tossed him in the slammer, threw away the key. Nothing, no one can derail, defeat, destroy this kingdom of God. Jesus, you know, just picks up where John the Baptist, his cousin, left off. The kingdom of God is at hand. And this is a kingdom that will forever stand. Oh, and this kingdom is established in, in quite an odd way. None, none of us here would have planned this or even predicted this. At all, And we know how this kingdom will be established because of that word arrest. A word that can also be translated deliver up. Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times in the Gospel of Mark, talks about his being delivered up, connected with the cross, of course, the Friday we call good. Here's one of those times, Mark 9, 31. The Son of Man is going to be delivered up into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. See, Jesus launches his kingdom-building project when John the Baptist is delivered up, arrested, because he's going to establish his kingdom by being delivered up into, 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 into death. Victory in defeat. Winning by losing. This is guaranteed. It is assured. That is why Jesus says, repent and believe in the go, 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 gospel. You know, that word gospel, good news, it is pregnant with meaning. Full of meaning. That word gospel, good news in the ancient world. 
was wrapped up in the runner who came back from the war zone with a very gospelly good news message saying, we've won! The enemy, they're in retreat mode, running for the hills. We have won, we're victorious, we are the champions. Hail to the victors! <laughs> Gotta throw in my U of M stuff right there, okay. Just making sure you're here awake, okay. Good, good, good. Gospel, good news! You know, this is the third time in the Gospel of Mark, so we're only 14, 15 verses into the Gospel of Mark, that that word appears. Why? Because this kingdom-building project comes with good news, comes with the guarantee of victory, which will be achieved at Calvary, expected by nobody, not how we would build the kingdom, but hey, we're not king, thankfully. And more unexpected, with this kingdom building project, which we will see, no working alone for Jesus, he says, follow me. Follow me to those who are downright ordinary. Now, if you want to get something done right, you do it your, yourself, right? Well, that's not how Jesus rules, okay? He doesn't have this American mentality, okay, that, that we so often have. Uh, the kingdom of God is not, you know, a DIY project. What is the first thing that Jesus does once he unleashes this kingdom of God building project? It's pretty surprising. I think we have missed a lot of the surprises in the gospel, okay? We have. Here's one of them. Verses 16 through 18. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Jesus recruits fishermen. Fishermen. Have we lost how shocking and awing that really is? I mean, here are these blokes that, you know, they did not have any training from HR when it comes to people skills. No degree from Jerusalem University. No seminars on servant leadership. Untrained, untalented, uneducated. All they bring to the table, the smell of the sea on their clothes, and their very rough hands, you know, covered with calluses, okay? Is this how, is, is, is this any way to begin a movement? Is this any way to get, you know, the kingdom of God off the ground? Is, is this any way to do ministry? Now, if I were Jesus, and I know you're all thankful that I'm not. <laughs> I am also thankful. Um, if I were Jesus, and I had to get recruits for this kingdom of God project... You would not find me at the counter at McDonald's here in Auburn. You would not find me at the deli in Meyer. You would not find me at a construction zone somewhere in mid-Michigan. 
But that's pretty much what Jesus does. He goes to the Sea of Galilee and he recruits fishermen. That's not how I would roll. Do you want to know my recruits? I'll tell you my recruits because, I mean, you're kind of held hostage for a couple minutes here, so, okay. The movers and shakers of the culture, those who have cash and clout, you know, the, uh, the heads of the Fortune 500 companies, the faces I see plastered on People and Vogue and Newsweek and Time, the Elon Musk and the Taylor Swifts. I'm a Swifty after all, so you gotta. <laughs> Although I, I kind of want her to, to cry tonight, so. Uh. <laughs> okay, okay. These are the people I would go for. And they would have quite the credentials. Oh, yes. The best ever, believe me. Well, our Jesus doesn't really care so much about credentials. He's not starstruck like we so often are. His handpicking of fishermen to be part of this kingdom building project makes it crystal clear that there are job openings for every single human being on the face of planet Earth. So no matter how ordinary someone thinks he or she is, God has good use for that woman, that man, for you, for me. Now in case uh, we thought that Jesus made a mistake by calling uh, fishermen, he doubles down, right? And he gets two more. Verses 19 and 20. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets, and immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Now I pray that you hear what's going on. This is our story. This is our story. See, Jesus, his cup of tea is joining hands with the ordinary. And that's us. That's our story. The call of these fishermen, this is our story too. His follow me is directed to all of us here at GLC, giving each of us a job in his kingdom building project, which you know, seems so ordinary, but in reality, in actuality, is extraordinary. Now, for many of us, our Lord's follow me came with three splashes of promise at the font. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, named and claimed, marked with the cross, as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. Each of us, given that personal calling, follow me. And we have some of us here for decades, like 90 plus years. You want to raise your hand? Okay. <laughs> some of us for only a year. And, and probably that journey with Jesus hasn't been exactly what we thought it should, or would, or could. You know, and not too different from those fishermen. I mean, these guys, I mean, they didn't get a, a road map from Jesus. They didn't, you know, get uh, a blueprint of what their life would, would, would look like. They didn't get even a hint of what their future entailed. Just follow me. 
And they step with Jesus into the unknown because they know they're not in control of their destiny. They're not in control of their future. Their future not in their hands, but in whose hands? In Jesus' hands. And so they walk by faith, not by sight. They walk by faith, trusting that Jesus would use all of their experiences, the good and the bad and the ugly, as the raw material to make them fishers of folks. Take uh, Peter, for example. Uh, here's a guy that, uh, well, a lot occurred <laughs> between his being called by Jesus at the Sea of Galilee and his standing up on the day of Pentecost, letting that gospel net fly, preaching, being that fisher of men, fisher of folks. A lot occurred between those, those events. Between those events, he experienced firsthand this kingdom of God, and he did so from the hand of, of Jesus. Jesus' hand rescuing and releasing the demon oppressed. Jesus' hand feeding thousands upon thousands, using a kid's happy meal, making sure everyone was fed. Jesus taking Peter's mother in law, taking her hand and lifting her from her sickbed. Jesus' hand reaching out and taking hold of Peter's hand as he starts to sink in the Sea of Galilee, filled with anxiety, stress, and dread. Jesus' hand raising up the dead. Jesus' hand shackled, shackled in the Garden of, Garden of Gethsemane as Peter fled. Jesus' hand run through with a nail, just as he said. Jesus' hand lifted high, ready to bless, now nail-scarred, so that Peter and you and me know that there is only life ahead, no dead ends. And the life we're talking about here is that life in the kingdom of God. Peter is swept up into this kingdom-building project. Jesus joins hands with Peter, and he says, Peter, 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 I have, I have good news for you. All that led up to this moment has prepared you for this moment. Go fish! Cast that gospel net with reckless abandon. Have no fear. The results are up to me. I'm going to use you to build up my kingdom slowly but surely. Slowly and surely. This kingdom will last eternally. Victory is a guarantee. So go and take that step in faith joyfully and gladly. Dear friends, what kind of kingdom is Jesus building using ordinary blokes like P -P -P Peter and ordinary guys and gals like you and me? You know. Jesus establishes his kingdom at Calvary, which is his victory of love and mercy and forgiveness that is for everybody. Everybody. Now, the kingdoms that we try to build pale in comparison to the kingdom that Jesus builds. I mean, it's nothing like his kingdom. The kingdoms that we try to construct and build on our own. His kingdom is, is not like the kingdoms of this world, period. 
And we know what his kingdom looks like because we just have to look at Jesus. Throughout his entire ministry, Jesus is actually putting flesh on his kingdom. Putting skin on his kingdom. And what do we see? Love, not lust. Mercy, not malice. Forgiveness, not forsakenness. Jesus shares mercy with the hopeless, helpless, hapless, not a you know, malice bone in his body. Jesus never thinking, oh man, wow, yeah. You did this to yourself, buddy. Good luck with that. What comes around, goes around. Ha! Sharing love with the whole person, not lusting after a part of a person. Never thinking, what can I get out of this person for my instant gratification or my social stratification? Sharing forgiveness with the blamed and the shamed and the spiritually maimed. No one forsaken by Jesus. No one forgotten by him. He never thinks, wow, that guy's life is a dumpster fire. Yeah, I'm staying away from that guy, not getting involved. This king is no ordinary king. And his kingdom is just established in a way that is so unexpected, none of us would have it in our script. It can only come from the divine script, from the author of this world himself. His kingdom is established at Calvary, this kingdom of love and mercy and forgiveness. His throne, blood-stained, cross-shaped, his crown, twisted thorns. His scepter, a nail run through his hand. Now what the world sees is nothing but you know, defeat and death. What we see with holy spirited eyes, that 2020 vision of faith, is victory and life. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Mercy triumphs over malice. Love triumphs over lust. Forgiveness triumphs over forsakenness. Our prayer, thy kingdom come, answer. And this, and this kingdom doesn't just come to us once or twice in our lives, but over and over and over again. Sprinkled, spoken, swallowed. Every single time we remember our baptism, every single time we receive the sermon, every single time we recline at table with Jesus at his supper, let us hear and feel and taste and see and smell these words. The kingdom of God is at hand. Turn around and believe in the victory. We need that gospelly good news all life long because there's a lot of bad news. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Uh, at least I'm thinking of my own life. We need this good news all life long because like the disciples, like these fishermen, along the way, there are mishaps, missteps, mix-ups, mess-ups. Along the way, there are takedowns, letdowns, beatdowns, breakdowns. Along the way, there are you know, misunderstandings of who this Jesus is and who we are as his people. And through it all, this king sticks with us using all of our experiences, the good and the bad and the ugly, to prepare us for this moment. 
See, our king doesn't give up on us, period. Even when we have given up on ourselves, once or twice, or maybe, if you're like me, lost count. Remember those words, dear friends. The kingdom of God is at hand. Turn around and believe in the victory. All are included, all are invited, all hands on deck, no one's left out, no one is, is kept on the bench, all have a part to play in this kingdom building project. The kingdom doesn't just come to us, but it comes through us to everyone around us in such ordinary ways. See, through our ordinary acts of mercy and love and forgiveness, the king's extraordinary voice booms. The kingdom of God is at hand. See, the kingdom of God is going and growing in each and every one of us. This kingdom that is, you know, bursting with mercy and love, forgiveness, it flows to us, then through us, to the people around us. And so we can never actually exhaust the mercy and love and forgiveness from Jesus, this king. We can't out-mercy him, out-love him, out-forgive him. So keep at it, dear friends. Keep at it. Because that petition, thy kingdom come, involves every single one of us here. You play with your kid or grandkid or godchild. The kingdom of God is at hand. You uh, make sure it's safe to come to church, and so you salt the parking lot. Thank you, Paul Varner. The kingdom of God is at hand. You say, I forgive you to someone who has sinned. The kingdom of God is at hand. You come alongside someone, and you say, everything is going to be okay. Because that person is distressed and full of dread. The kingdom of God is at hand. You pray before you are fed. The kingdom of God is at hand. You are quick to listen and slow to speak when something you disagree with is said. The kingdom of God is at hand. You treat and see everyone as those so loved by Jesus that he bled and died for them. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is most certainly true. Dear friends, the king has prepared us for a moment like this. You are ready. So am I. We can take that step in faith into the unknown because we're not alone. Jesus says to each and every one of us this morning, follow me. Welcome to the Kingdom Building Project. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.